Welcome to the Cannacurio podcast powered by Cannabis Media. Uh, I'm your host, a recap of the 2022 licensing leaderboard, show you what we've seen in looking back at all the licenses that were issued and answer any questions that you might have. So to begin, we wanted to start off with some level setting, which is really how many licenses are out there and, and what categories do they fit into? So based on our research and analysis, approximately 100,000 cannabis licenses have been issued in the US by various states since we started tracking in 2015. So almost 100,000 licenses. And these are specific to the three categories that we're gonna focus on today. So this includes cultivation licenses, manufacturing, and retail or dispensary. So of those 99,000, 42,500 are active. And by active, we mean they're open, they're not in a pending status or they're not applied, but these are ones that are likely open for business. And once again, it's for cultivation, manufacturing, dispensary and retail. So now, looking back at 2022, how many new ones were issued? So based on our count, almost 10,000 licenses were issued by all the states um, in 2022. So in today's discussion, we're gonna share with you how that varied by the different regions in the US as well as by the different activities, because we, we've noticed that different regions and different states obviously are gonna behave differently since they all have their own licensing schemes. So first off, we'll look at when these licenses were issued in 2022. So these three lines uh, show quite graphically how different the timing was and the frequency of licenses being issued. I sort of joke that the green one, which is cultivation, is essentially the Loch Ness monster curve, where it you know continues to have these peaks and valleys throughout the year. On the whole, as we looked across these three sets of uh, lines uh, of the 10,000 licenses, approximately 58% of the new licenses last year were for cultivators. Dispensaries and retailers were at 28% and manufacturing was at 14%. So definitely a lot of variability in terms of the uh, different types of licenses. But as we've seen in all the tracking we've done over the years, cultivation really does seem to carry the day, which is sort of good and bad. So now let's start taking a look at the different regions. So you can look across these five columns and it's quite obvious that the west and the southwest are really the drivers for license issuance and if you think about the map for a second the southwest is where oklahoma is and the west is where we find california and then even looking at the midwest that's where michigan is so if you've read any blog post i've written in the last like four years that talks about license counts those three states are the ones that issue the most licenses. And as a result, those regions are driven up uh, by them. And you can see that the Northeast and Southeast 
is definitely lower. And as I think most industry watchers know, the East is well behind the West. These numbers and data really do support that. Uh, we found that 72% of the licenses that were issued last year as new came from the Southwest and West. So uh, looking at the Midwest, um, there are actually 12 states in the Midwest. Not all of them are issuing licenses. We found just under uh, 1,400 licenses were issued last year. 83% of them were from Michigan. And that mid-year spike uh, that you see is 707 new Michigan cultivation licenses. So uh, this is a little bit more like the uh, anaconda and snake uh, and rat kind of graph, uh, where a lot of the license issuance appeared to happen all at once, or at least over um, over one quarter. Looking at the Northeast, so the Northeast has uh, a lot of interest. Everybody talks about it. We sort of like jokingly refer to it as the beast in the East. It's where we're headquartered. There are nine states in the Northeast, and um, there's just been a lot of focus on it as people talk about New York being the next big market. Um, New Jersey is uh, a large market unto itself. And we found that the Northeast in some ways was a lot like the West because 69% of the licenses that were issued were for cultivation. And most of these came out of two states, New York and Vermont. Now, this touches on uh, what I think is a fascinating footnote. So when New York started their program, in order to get cultivation going more quickly than most states, they issued licenses to existing hemp farmers and gave them the permission to grow cannabis. So they were able to issue several hundred licenses, if I remember, to get the program up and running. And what's interesting, since I'm based here in Connecticut, is uh, noticing how the Connecticut farmers who grew hemp wanted the same deal. So they started lobbying. There were lots of articles uh, in the local press as uh, the farmers here hoped that that process would be replicated. Uh, to my knowledge, that still hasn't happened yet. Don't know if it will, but New York was really unique in issuing licenses in, in that way. Going down to the Southeast, uh, definitely an interesting story here. There's 16 states in this region, only seven uh, issue licenses. And the peaks here were for dispensaries slash retail licenses in Mississippi and Puerto Rico. The thing that we've noticed about the Southeast, and it's sort of obvious when you think about it, is it's home to many limited license medical programs. So think of Florida, Arkansas, Georgia, where they're just not issuing licenses, let's say at the same pace as in Oklahoma with, with really no controls. So in this case, when licenses are given out, uh, they're often vertically integrated. So you have to do maybe all the activities. And in the case of Florida, you're then able to open as many stores sort of as you can. So it's not an entire surprise that in, in this case, it's the, the, the line at the top is for dispensaries. It's not for lots of cultivation or not some manufacturing. So as we talked about at the beginning, the regional approaches are, are different based on the type of programs that, that are in place. 
Southwest is really all about Oklahoma and New Mexico. And the thing that I find so interesting here is that second big spike um, in September is Oklahoma issuing a whole bunch of cultivation licenses. Now, for those of you who are pretty knowledgeable about Oklahoma, you also know what happened on August 26, 2022, when the state finally put in a moratorium saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're slowing down on the licenses. And, you know, I expected that to be more of a hard stop. Uh, it does not appear that that's really the case because lots of licenses continue to be issued. I mean, uh, it looks a little bit like a ski slope here where there was definitely a decline but licenses continued to get pushed out. Now, I think it may have been that the state felt they were going to honor any licenses that got in or applications that got in before the deadline. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I'm sure there was quite a rush to get licenses in the door before the door shut. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it, how it plays out. I think there's definitely going to be fewer licenses in 2023, but it's, um, it's certainly an interesting story as uh, other states contemplate more terms. Oklahoma's got one, but it doesn't look like it's sort of fully uh, active yet. And then looking out to the West, home to many legacy markets, Alaska, California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, a lot of cultivation. 71% of the licenses went to cultivation with retail and dispensary only at 19%. Um, and, you know, this is a challenge. The, the West has really struggled. Uh, we've done some research as have our clients on what kind of sentiment do growers feel out in the West and elsewhere. And it's really tough. You know, one, there's a lot of black market is causing some troubles. And two, there's taxation and three, there aren't enough stores. So here we see that there's definitely a lot of grow licenses pushing through, but is it really, is it really enough? Um, especially when the, the store licenses only come through at about 19% for, for this region. So, you know, truly some challenges as these different markets behave differently and issue these licenses in sort of waves. So, you know, as the markets continue to mature, it's something that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on in terms of what is the future going to be and are we going to see uh, what some call extinction events. So uh, next, we're going to take a look at regions by activity. So uh, cultivation as a percentage of new licenses across a region. So this sort of takes those last slides and combines them and turns them sideways. So here we can see where the focus was on uh, cultivation licenses. And as we said, the West and the Northeast look a lot alike where they really focused on grow licenses as opposed to other ones. The Midwest and Southwest uh, were a different tier. And then finally the Southeast that we talked about where the licenses are limited issued very few uh, cultivations. One thing that I think is interesting, going back to the moratorium discussion, <clears throat> is that other states have started discussions on them, I think often driven by license holders. I've seen articles uh, about it in uh, Michigan, in Colorado, and uh, most recently in Massachusetts, where you know the price of cannabis is dropping and it's really squeezing out a lot of operators. So some of these uh, license holders are essentially asking for relief. Um, 
One thing though that looks promising is the decline in the number of grow licenses issued this year uh, in 2022 compared to 2021. So we, when we took a look at it, we saw that in 2021, almost uh, or a little bit over 9,000 grow licenses were issued. And 2022, that number dropped by about a third to just over 6,000. Still a lot of new licenses. And, you know, obviously how many existing licenses, you know, stayed in business or went out of business. So it's not the total number, but it's certainly showing that the, the rate of increase appears to be declining, which is likely a very good thing. So looking at manufacturing, you know, quite a, a different uh, look as you go across the different regions. The Southwest is a leader and it's driven by Oklahoma. Um, and for us, I'll, I'll say this is a harder license for us to track. Uh, in some states, the manufacturing activity is stacked as part of a, a general license that's, that a company gets. And um, it's just you know part of what that license holds. In other states, it's given to a license holder, but then it can almost be farmed out to other groups or LLCs that are uh, under control or affiliated. So it's a it's it's tougher for us to track. But in the case of Oklahoma, they issue specifically a manufacturing license. It's not stacked, and it really leads the way. So if we look at who issued licenses last year, you're not going to be surprised when you see that Oklahoma really. Uh, takes it away. New Mexico, Michigan, California are the other three, but talk about being in a distant second, third, and fourth place. So, you know, manufacturing is certainly a, uh, a, a key license in the value chain, um, but, you know, one state is certainly leading the charge there. Now, dispensary and retail, something we, we referenced earlier, you know, just look at the Southeast uh, in, in terms of issuing new licenses that, that are all about stores. Um, in these limited license states, you know, th there's really an opportunity here uh, for people to, to get stores out there. And, you know, my favorite example, as I said before, is Florida, where you've got some, you know, major MSOs putting out uh, a lot of licenses as they try and blanket the state of Florida. And I think we're going to see this in other states as well. Mississippi is issuing a lot of licenses too. So um, in these limited license states where they don't put limits on stores, it's going to drive that kind of behavior because on the flip side, it, it holds back on the manufacturing and the, and the cultivation. And then, you know, once again, I'm pulling up Oklahoma one more footnote, uh, you know, the moratorium hit here in end of August, beginning of September, every month that came thereafter, they issued more licenses than they had in virtually any month prior that year. So still seems kind of strange to me that they'd be cranking out new ones when um, I think at one point it was like 2,500 licenses were in the state and it was one for every like 1,400 people. So I think there's more work to be done there. Although we do see licenses essentially falling off the list there and that's gonna have uh, an impact uh, in the long term. Um, also, there's a lot more regulatory scrutiny happening. Um, I know one of the regulators in the state has highlighted that they think 2,000 of the grow licenses are essentially illegitimate as they've been sold to people out of state. So there's a lot going on here. And while Oklahoma, I think, will continue to be a story uh, for, for perhaps years to come, uh, they're certainly trying really hard to, to tighten that up.
So obviously there's a lot of data here. We started with 100,000 licenses, 10,000 actives uh, that, that were just issued last year alone. It's an important asset and it's one that we do uh, a lot of work to track. I run the team that you know keeps an eye on all the data and we wanted to share how do people actually use this data? So just using an example here, this is a search that I did to find uh, all the growers in the Northeast. So if you look on the side here, it's cannabis, it's cultivators that are active, that are located in the Northeast. And we found 952 total licenses uh, that, that fit in that criteria. If you look in the red box up top, you can see some of the activities that our users can engage once they create a list like this, because the list is really where it starts. One, you can get updates if something happens to any of these 952, like if there's new information or if there's a story or if we add more information, you can get an alert that will let you know that or let your sales team know that. We also have built in a whole email marketing tool that would allow you or your marketing team to reach out to these 952 uh, farms, uh, you know, to tell them what you're all about and to try and uh, use it as a, a lead generation tool or a prospect generation tool for you. Um, and some of our customers have the ability to export this data as well or portions of it so that they can do their own analysis. So once uh, you create a list, there's a, really a lot you can do and there's a lot of information that we provide to you know, hopefully enlighten you about these uh, licenses across the US, Canada, and elsewhere. The other use case is about research. So here's a, a search that was done on uh, a different platform that has the same licenses in it, where we looked at the growth of facilities in the Northeast. So how has it changed since 2020? And you can see here, there's sort of a gentle slope and then it takes off in March, 2022. And down below, we've got a whole table uh, that shares some of the states in terms of how the numbers have changed month over month. And these are total active facilities by month. And what we have found is that our customers are using this for growth trends, state-by-state -state analysis, uh, we also overlay information like patient count, sales data if the state provides it, and a whole host of other information so that as people are trying to do the research they can, with these tables down here, they're able to just right-click, download the data, and then bring it into Excel and build their own pivot table. So we're really just trying to help out that workflow so that our customers can get the information they need and you know do that sort of time series and, um, and growth trends. So what we want to do now is see if there might be any questions that people had about the license data that we've just covered. We also have uh, links to our website and uh, my email as well as the email to our sales team. So um, first question, good one is why is there no information on distribution? Does retail include delivery retail or just storefront retail? So distribution in some states is a specific license, and I just chose not to include it in this analysis, really for two reasons. In some states, distribution is implied. And by that, we mean if you've got a grow license and a manufacturing license, you can move the product between the two. 
In other states, that's not true. You need a specific distribution license and it's essentially a, a B2B delivery type service. So we just didn't include that. We do track them, but we don't have them here. And in terms of the question about uh, retail or uh, just storefront, this was just retail or dispensary. We did not include um, what in California they call non uh non-storefront retail, but that is a set of licenses that we track. Uh, we've actually written about that and have some white papers coming up that are going to dig into that because it's an important area and it's one that in certain markets is crucial, uh, especially like in New York City where it's not really about the stores. Everybody expects things to be delivered, so you better have a delivery scheme. So, um, so Stay tuned into the blog because we'll be covering uh, more information on that. Um, and it's certainly in the database right now. Um, this is a comment. A manufacturing license could look after many growers. So the overall number isn't all that important, is it? Well, it's, an, it's an interesting point. I think it depends on the state. So in Connecticut, there are well, there have been four growers, and that's been the case since the program rolled out in about 2014. And those growers have been able to meet the needs of what was first, I think, six stores, then nine, then 18. And the state felt comfortable rolling out the adult program when the threshold of like 250,000 square feet was met. So you're right. It is a lot about capacity. Can the capacity be met? Um, so it's going to depend on you know, sort of what the state is trying to achieve in Oklahoma, as we saw, they're just giving out those licenses. And, you know, is the quantity important? I don't know. I would say that that manufacturing license in a place like Connecticut or um, Florida, where it's built into uh, the, the existing license is way more valuable than the one that somebody purchased in Oklahoma for $2,500. So I, I think it's a context thing where it depends on the state, but um, it, it does support why the overall number just doesn't tell the whole story. So I, I would agree, Brandon. Is there overlap in our data with manufacturing and process under licenses? How do we differentiate? Um, we tend to reserve manufacturing for cannabis and processing uh, on the hemp side. So there may be some overlap. Um, I'd have to actually you know, pull up the data and see, but processing tends to be something that we've tried to say is more about hemp as opposed to uh, uh, manufacturing. But some states are kind of pushing us a bit where they are differentiating those license licenses. And if we do have them, and I think there's a couple of states We'll group them under probably the manufacturing umbrella, but um, I, I'd have to check on that, uh, Caitlin, so if we can save that information. We'll get back to you with a more definitive answer. All right. Well, it looks like we've uh, exhausted the questions so far. So I thank you for dialing in today and asking great questions. Uh, our contact information is here. If you've got additional uh, questions you want to follow up with or you can think about something afterwards. And uh, Caitlin, I'll get back to you with a more definitive one. Oh, wait, looks like we got one more question. Do you ever see any areas where the state is pushing to get people to apply uh, demand constrained? 
I can't think of a case where that has happened. I, I do know there are cases where people have been surprised at how few applied, but usually it's the other side where, you know, 30,000 applications come in um, or it starts off really slow and then suddenly there's an onrush. So I haven't seen it happen that many times, but uh, my, my, my team may know of some other examples where that may have uh may have occurred, but that seems less likely unless you've got some examples that uh, I'd love to hear. So, all right. Well, thanks again, everybody for your time. And uh, as we said earlier, if you've got more questions, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again, uh, hopefully in a couple months as we come up with more uh, data and more insights from Cannabis Media's Data Vault. Thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'm your host, Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.